America Media leads the conversation with balance, sobriety, and depth. We know informed and charitable debate are possible in our church and in the country we love. We do it every day. Join us this Christmas season. Visit americamagazine.org donate to make your gift. That's americamagazine.org donate. Yeah, so, um, wow, I'm actually stumped. This is what it feels like <laughs> to be on this side of the mic. You could do that. That's a really good question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a really good question, Ashley. Um, sorry. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> nope. No, no, no. We're good. <laughs> Ashley's just been kicking something around on the floor for a very long time. Pay no attention to that. See, I'm pretty convinced she broke everything. Um, well, they've been here. taken from her, so please, Olga, go ahead. Okay. Hello and welcome to Jesuitical, a podcast by the young, hip, and lay editors of America Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Olga Skira. Hey, guys. And Zach Davis. I'm here, and I'm totally not sad. (laughs) Everything's great. Keep it together, Zach. I'm trying. (laughs) You have to tell everyone what's on tap first. Well... We are drinking uh, champagne uh, to celebrate all that we have accomplished uh, together as a trio. Yes, uh, it's a, it's a complicated celebration, yeah. though. Yeah, uh, a lot of feelings. Yep. A lot of feelings. Yep. We we started uh, in a broom closet uh, at our old workplace after hours when no yeah. one trusted us, uh, and now we have now we have a really fancy studio. So. Yeah. and that's and why we we're... got some fancy champagne yeah. too. All right, gonna pop uh, that for us. Yes, uh, actually, should Olga, I back wanna... up? Olga should talk about who's. Who the guest is? Oh yeah. yeah, who are we talking to this week, Olga? So the guest this week is me. <laughs> yeah. So since I announced last week that I would be leaving America Media and Jesuitical, we decided that it would only be fair to give our listeners a proper farewell. So you guys are going to be interviewing me this week. Yes, and because we love you so much, and because we know our listeners love you so much, we are dedicating this entire episode to Olga. There will be no signs of the times. There will be no consolations and desolations. Those are kind of embedded in the Mm -hmm. whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We are just talking to Olga about all the amazing work she's done at America and all the amazing work that she's going to do in the future. So without further ado... Pop the champagne. Hey! hey good well job. That was the most successful one we've had so far. <laughs> All right. Can, sure I, can I pour some bubbly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. To Olga. To Olga. Man, this really is going to have like a last day of college vibe, isn't it? <laughs> Just going to drink this bottle of champagne yep, and get sadder. You, you fill this goes all on. the way up to the yeah. top. Well, man. All right. Mm. Yes, it does. All right. Like you ready to be Lord. on the other side of the <sighs> interview, okay. Olga? Let me get my notes ready. My pre-prepared <laughs> no notes. notes. Okay, I'm ready. Let's do this. Okay, Olga, you have been working at America for over seven years now. Yep, would have been eight years in February. Wow, and and one of the things you've really focused on while you're here, and I think we're like a really important and unique voice within America on, is on the issue of race. So why did you want to make that your focus here? So the main reason I wanted to make that my focus here is because... I'm a woman of color. I, I'm an Afro-Latina who has black father, black relatives, a black fiance. And 
I really just wanted to make sure that the experiences that we had every day, the issues that concerned us every day that we were talking about at the family table that my fiance and I have talked about when we decide whether or not we want to have kids. I wanted to see those experiences represented and I wanted to show our readers what it's like to be a Catholic of color. Um, So I really wanted to prioritize that my time here. Yeah. And I feel like you not only brought that experience, you know, yourself personally, but you also reached out to a wide diverse range of authors that maybe the magazine wouldn't have found in the past. Could you talk about who some of your favorite writers that you've gotten to work with here have been? Yeah. So I also work as an associate editor here and I do a lot of work with our culture department. So I solicit a lot of pieces um, for that department. My favorites have been Joy Childs, who wrote about the rise of black women in television, especially in the time of Shonda Rhimes. We also have one of our new theater critics, who's Jose Solis, who writes for The New York Times. But is Catholic and has started to review plays and movies for us. And he really brings in his Catholic POC experience. And also Juan Vidal, who is a, who writes about fatherhood, who writes about hip hop. And he wrote a really great piece for us um, about El Paso and has done other cultural stuff as well. So those are some of my favorites. One of my favorite stories is before anyone had heard of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, my God. You yeah. reached out to her. Oh, yeah. And so we like when she like had her surprise upset victory, we mm-hmm. already had a piece from her on hand because like you were like, oh, here's this cool person from the Bronx. I'm going to solicit <laughs> an article from her. Yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot about that, too. But that's often how I approach a lot of my pieces. Mm-hmm. I'm like, here's this person who seems really cool to me, who is doing a lot of work in communities that I care about representing. So I reached out to her before anyone was talking to her. And she was so excited. She's like, look, I'm Catholic. I've read America's stuff and I would love to contribute. So we just had that in the hopper. And she yeah. was, And what did she write about? She wrote about criminal justice reform and how her faith helps her um, when she talks about this issue because she's been personally affected by it. Um, but that is more often than not when people wonder how I think about pieces. I'm like, is this person from the Bronx? <laughs> <laughs> Do I follow them on Twitter? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> follow up. <laughs> so this intersection of race in the Catholic Church has really been your sort of bread and butter here. Mm-hmm. And you've written uh, a feature on what the Black Lives Matter movement uh, could teach the Catholic Church if, if it's willing to listen. What were some of your main findings uh, in that reporting that piece? So I think one of the main things that I took away from the reporting I did on that piece is that there seems to be kind of a huge disconnect between what a lot of Black Catholics are saying and what they're experiencing and what a lot of the church leaders are experiencing. So we have A lot of the people I talk to are very supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement. And a lot of them are like, you know, this movement matters because it's highlighting our experiences and it's calling attention to things like police brutality or mass incarceration. And it's making us feel heard. And we would really love for the church to, you know, even sit down with them, have a conversation, just show that they are listening to these activists. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I talk to a lot of the church leaders for this piece, they seem to just kind of be very weary of engaging with the movement. And to me, that was something that was just so fascinating because you have a lot of black Catholics who are like, hey, this is one of the most significant movements that have ever raised awareness about what it means to be black in America. But then you have our church leaders who are like, actually, I'm kind of going to step away from it, but I'm going to like write letters and stuff and say that everything's okay." And I think that right there, that was just so jarring for me because they just seem to not really be listening to this community. So you mentioned writing letters. So one Mm -hmm. of the... um responses from the U.S. bishops to the problem of racism in the United States was writing a pastoral letter for the entire church in the U.S. on the sin of racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this came out before your before your piece. But I'm wondering if you if you see that as progress or not far enough. 
Um, and can you describe what's in that letter? Sure, sure. So the pastoral letter was released by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops in November of 2018, and it's called Open Wide Our Hearts. And it was the first letter that they had released on the issue of racism since 1979's Brothers and Sisters uh, to us. And these letters are kind of written by bishops as a way to kind of guide Catholics on how to talk about big issues. So in that way, I think that it is big that they have written the first letter in almost 40 years, but I don't think it goes far enough. And this is something that I came across when I talked to Black Catholics for this piece. They were just like, you know, this letter feels like it wasn't written for us. This letter feels like it was written to sort of maintain the comfort of white Catholics and to not Mm -hmm. kind of cause them any discomfort. So I think that it's always encouraging when bishops release any kind of official document on a given issue. It doesn't go far enough. And this is something that uh, the community really wants. They want bishops to show that, hey, we're not just writing letters and not following up. We're actually at the front lines. We're actually taking this issue very seriously. And, you know, writing a letter is one thing, but it's uh, frustrating if nothing's done with that letter mm-hmm. after it's written. And so that was sort of one of your most recent pieces involved a ton of reporting. Mm-hmm. In fact, you reached out to how many how many dioceses? 197. Which is all of them in the United States. All yes. of them in the United States. Man. And how many got back to you? I think I can't remember the exact number, but it was less than like 15 percent. Mm-hmm. So not a lot got back to me. I, I've gotten some follow up responses. And you were so- asking them about what they were doing to yeah, sort of so I just implement reached, the letter. Yeah, so I just reached out to all of them and was like, hey, how are you guys engaging with the letter? Have you started any initiatives, yes or no? If so, what have you done? Most of them I didn't hear back from. A lot of them said no, and, the ones, and then I got a few yeses. Um, but one thing I learned from that is that a lot of people don't know. There were a variety of reasons as to why people didn't start these initiatives. Some didn't have bishops. Some don't have money. We've talked about a lot of the issues that mm-hmm. we've talked about, like these dioceses across the country are dealing with this, you know. Um, But a lot of them didn't know where to start. A lot of them felt that we got this letter, we got a lot of resources, but we don't know how to actually do this. We don't Mm -hmm. know how to go to our parishes. We don't know how to start these discussion groups because it is is not an easy thing to talk about. People are going to feel uncomfortable on both sides, and a lot of people just don't know what step one should be. Right. So... How do you plan on continuing um, reporting on this topic after you leave us at America? So I will actually be working on a book that's due. I think I actually don't know if I've ever mentioned it on the podcast, but I have a book manuscript that's due in June and it's going to just flesh out more deeply what I talked about in my Black Lives Matter article and just what the church can learn um, from this movement and how it can use this movement to show black Catholics that it, you know, it really takes the issue of racism seriously. So I plan on finishing that book and hopefully (laughs) listeners will enjoy it and buy it when it comes out in 2021. But I also want to, I just want to keep on reporting, whether it's for America or other publications. Who are some of the other voices that have been inspiring to you in this space? You've mentioned that like, you know, maybe not such inspiring work happening in -hmm. parishes at the diocese level, but I imagine there are other people who who care about this and are trying to change the church. Oh yeah, for sure. I just want to correct myself from earlier. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of amazing work happening at the local level. Mm -hmm. I think that there are people all across the country who are really challenging their parishioners to think deeply about this issue. And there are a lot of Catholics in the church, both black and white, who Mm -hmm. are very deeply engaging with this issue. So there are people like Shannon D. Williams, who has written for us, who's constantly trying to highlight that, hey, black Catholic history started with the history of Catholicism in this country. And then there are professors like Matthew J. Kressler, who's someone who writes very extensively on 
black Catholics, but also from the perspective of a white man who's willing to challenge white Catholics to think better. And then there are theologians like Father Brian Massingale, who's at Fordham, who is not as well known as, say, someone like Jim Martin, but is thinking about this issue very critically and is challenging his students to do the same. Well, I know that we will be having you on once you finish this book <laughs> and drop it. And we will be continuing this conversation, definitely, in your in your absence. Um, but maybe we could pivot a little bit to uh, looking back on your time with Jesuitical, specifically. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so if we could go way back, mm-hmm. way back to the beginning, mm-hmm. when we say those famous words, we should have a podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, what were some of your initial ideas? Or feelings towards the project? So initially, I didn't want to be left out, so I was very excited. I was like, okay, they're including <laughs> me in this. But then... And this is in 2017. We're in... Or actually, end of 2016. Yeah, when end we of started, 2016. That's right? when we so started those we're in really our awful pilots. old office on 56th Street. Yeah. No so studio. No studio. That closet that you mentioned. Um, I was really excited because, again, you guys were including me in this, and I thought it would be really fun. Once that wore off, I just thought, what the F? Because we can't curse on this podcast. Why am I doing this? Because then it sunk in. I was like, I don't like talking publicly. I'm not good at it. I'm a writer, and I need to sit with my thoughts. I need to sit in a com- in front of a computer screen and think. Um, so I was extremely nervous. And you yeah. guys know, it took me a while to leave those nerves behind. <laughs> but yeah, so how, how did it change? How did you work through those anxieties? Well, honestly, you showed up. You showed up and tried. <laughs> I did show up. I couldn't. I couldn't not show up. Um, well, honestly, I think a lot of it had to do with you guys. One, we we have always had this space where we can mess up in front of each other. So even when I don't I, know what you're talking about, we never, <laughs> I never mess up. <laughs> so we've always we've always had this space with each other where we can we can mess up and it's okay. And we will coach each other through that. So that just knowing that I was coming into an affirming space, no matter what was super Mm -hmm. helpful. And also our producer Eloise behind the scenes, she did a lot of like individual coaching where she was like, Hey, I need you to speak because (laughs) you're on this podcast. You have a very specific perspective that you're bringing. And I was just like, no, but they just sound so much smarter than me. And she was just like, you have to leave that. She was like, Zach does not sound smart. (laughs) Basically, basically. (laughs) But she really pushed me to kind of just, be okay with messing up and just to be okay with like hey this is edited just get it all out there and interrupt like it's okay get your thoughts out there um so i think just this the space we've created as a team here and what was your perspective on the show sort of itself like did you think it was needed um was it really just an excuse for us to get together and you know drink and talk at work <laughs> or you know what's, what's what space are <laughs> yeah. we filling in the church do you think um i think it was a little bit of both i think that we definitely wanted to get together as young catholics and create that space for ourselves so we could talk about our faith so we could talk about the challenges of being young catholics in this world but we also knew that there was no other podcast out there and i i'm not as familiar with catholic podcasts as you guys might be but we felt that there was something missing. There weren't young Catholics, three young Catholics, all very different backgrounds that could talk about faith, that could talk about the news, that could bring really great interviews and could faith share in the way that we did. Um, So I think that we sensed that and we created that community. We're trying at least. (laughs) How has... um... I, because I, I agree that we created a community. Mm -hmm. What have, what have been some of your um, interactions with this, this, crazy community of Jesuitical listeners we've we've amassed around ourselves um we have the opportunity of meeting people at live shows and when we travel to Australia we got to meet a lot of our listeners there but a lot of the people that we meet are just via email or on Facebook and 
this actually ties back to what helped me kind of get through the nerves. Any time where I was kind of like, I'm going to walk away from this. I don't want to do this anymore. I'd get some response, some email or message from a listener that would be like, "What the work that you're doing is really important. The way that you guys sit and talk about your faith every week in a really vulnerable way is so important to me. So just receive, I can't remember anyone's names, but just yeah. anytime, I mean, we have a Jesuitical email, even those messages or people's comments on Facebook, like those are the ways that we engage with the, with our community. And it's it's been wonderful. So speaking of being vulnerable with your faith, mm-hmm. uh, how's your how's your faith relationship changed through doing like spiritual direction and consolations and desolations every week? Um, I think it's actually gotten stronger. I think before I was well, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> our father surprisingly <laughs> weird, right? Um, I think when we started, I was also at a strange point in my own faith life where I was kind of like, I grew up Catholic went to Catholic schools and I'm working at a Catholic publication. So I guess I'm kind of Catholic to now I'm like, oh, no, 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 I am Catholic. Even when it's not pretty, even when it's hard, I am a Catholic. Were you nervous about getting on a very Catholic podcast with that complicated relationship? Oh, for sure. Because for a while, I thought that I couldn't be fully honest about something like, you know, I'm engaged to someone who's Protestant. And a lot of the times we worship in a Protestant space. And there were times where I thought, you are not performing Catholicism the way that you should be performing it. But by the end of this, I'm like, no, 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 you are Catholic no matter what. And that looks very different in every single person. And that's okay. And I think you bringing that perspective opened up this community to a lot more people who who share those misgivings and are kind of like have one foot in, one foot out the door in terms of the Catholic Church. So like listening to you and being like, okay. Olga has a complicated relationship with the church. That's okay. She's there. I feel welcome here, too. Zach hasn't tried to convert her on (laughs) (laughs) But that is good to hear because, honestly, I was really insecure about that for such a long time. And, again, we created a space where it was okay to be your true, authentic Catholic self. Yeah. And I cut you off. You had talked about... Sort of Zach cut someone off. I know, surprise. Strange. <laughs> but but it, what how what that turned into at the end of doing consolations and desolations? Or do you feel like you're good at consolations and desolations now? How about that? Um, because <laughs> the whole point is to be good. Because it, it used right? to be it used to be the hardest part, right? Is it still the hardest part? Um, I think it was. It used to be difficult for very different reasons. It used to be difficult not because I have a problem being vulnerable or oversharing, because I've always been an oversharer. Anyone who <laughs> follows me on social media knows that, but using the right language, fully being able to see where God was working in my life. I think that is where now I'm able to sit with Father Sundrup's language and be like, okay, that's the evil spirit. Whereas mm-hmm. two years ago, I'd be like, I'm not saying that on there. That's <laughs> um, so now I'm much more comfortable using that kind of rhetoric. Well, and it's mm-hmm. it's one thing to feel it and sort of know it's there. And then you get like, I feel like I get like this deeper understanding by articulating it for myself. Mm-hmm. And then there's this extra level of trying to articulate it for someone else. Right. 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 For that each makes, other and then for an entire audience. Uh, and that that sort of deepens your understanding of where mm-hmm. God's happening in your mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Yeah. Because you realize Eric listens to the purest most insane version of our consolations and desolations every week. And at, again, at first, I was like, I'm doing this really wrong. By pure, you mean like raw, uncut. <laughs> yeah, like the raw, yeah. uncut, not pure, like, oh my God, yeah. I'm a really pure Christian. More like, oh my God, this is a complete a mess. mess. <laughs> um, Eric, Olga's leaving. I'm sad. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Honestly, true story. That's really how a lot yeah. of consolations and desolations would sound like. Um, but yeah, I think now, like, the three of us are able to be like, 
okay, but what was the consolation in that? Yeah. What, where was God leading you? Not just like, I'm sad because I couldn't eat gluten for a while or whatever it was that Zach <laughs> came up for Lent years ago. Uh, quinoa. It was quinoa. 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 Thank quinoa. you. Eloise, you she has not forgotten. <laughs> um, wondering if you could just go through some of your favorite uh, hosts. Ep- ep- Who's your favorite host? <laughs> I was going to say episodes and also I will Fame. settle for second favorite host. Oh, this is really awkward because Ashley is the answer to both of those oh. things. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I-, I love you both. Um, anyway, favorite favorite uh, shows that we've had. Favorite shows that we've had. Um, I think my favorite all time was probably Elizabeth Acevedo because mm. she is also Afro Latina. She has a Dominican family and she wrote this book. We interviewed her about her book, The Poet X. And I just really saw myself represented in the work that she does and in the way that she speaks. So when we had her on, it was just, I think, one of the first interviews that I can remember where I wasn't nervous and I was just completely like, I'm very excited to talk to you about. The things that we've prepped for. So I always I know. Remember, I remember I like couldn't get a word in. I was like, All right, I'm just going to let Olga take the, <laughs> take the wheel here. <laughs> she's she's going. <laughs> so she was definitely my favorite. Um, I also really like David Gonzalez, Pat Gothman. Um, Vincent Cunningham was a really fit, great one we had this year. Unorthodox was really oh, yeah. good both times. They were yeah. really wonderful. May, how about uh, top moments Jesuitical related outside of recording. Outside of the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> Obviously, Australia. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> Number one. But also, a really top Jesuitical moment was the first Theology on Tap talk that we mm. ever gave because we were all so nervous. Was it, this is the one in D.C.? Yes, it was the one in D.C. where your parents were there. And yes. I just remember yes. making <laughs> eye contact with your mom the whole time because I was like, I'm not looking at these strangers. I'm going to look at a familiar face. Um But that experience, I think, really made us like we were already very secure in what we were doing, but it brought us closer in a very different way because we had to like prep, overcome those nerves and kind of hype each other up at the same time. And nothing bonds people like going through all of that in one afternoon in D.C. (laughs) Yeah. Been to D.C., Chicago, Connecticut, Australia. Australia. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. So I'm leaving on a good note, basically. <laughs> no, uh, I know I'm not. No, it'll I'm never not. be a good note, Olga. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to pivot real quick uh, because... We're not only losing Olga, this is just like rip my heart out, throw it on the ground. Um, Our producer Eloise is also moving on from Jesuitical in America. Um, And so this is our last episode with her too. So we wanted to just bring both of you on at the same time um, to kind of say goodbye That we love you. you. And Olga was just saying that Eloise used to be in our recording sessions with us. Like you Mm -hmm. were sitting next to us, right? I used to make eye contact with you the whole time (laughs) instead of micromanaging in Google Docs. Right. And now now you're a voice... In our headphones. Yeah. No longer. Yeah, no longer. What am I going to do when I don't? I think you're going to make more outrageous jokes. I know. Who's going to tell them to be quiet? Because no one's going to be rolling their eyes at you. Yeah, and saying, that's it. Cut it out. Knock it off. Um, But to kind of celebrate both of you and thank you both for building this from the ground up with us, um, we have two gifts. These are the things I couldn't stop. Is this what you kept knocking down? (laughs) Oh, my Um, goodness. We have two <gasps> Jesuitical flasks Aww, for you guys. both. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Aren't uh, they classy? That's so classy. So they're all white flasks with a silver etched in Jesuitical logo. 
Um, These are really beautiful. Yeah, we hope you can use them um, as (laughs) functional Decorative pieces in your homes. <laughs> Did so, Angela make these? No, no we can do- I used Etsy. <laughs> you said that like the shocked. proudest mom. <laughs> like, hey, like, I'm a designer. E T S Y dot com. Wait, so are these? Do we get the first ever Jesuitical flask? Yes. We're talking about these flasks. I know, for years. and we finally decided yeah. to make it happen. How do so. I open this? Aww. If you want to take the rest of the champagne, that's what it is. There, that's exactly what I was gonna do. Oh, this is okay. a very thoughtful no, I'm gonna gift. Make a mess with this yeah. stuff. Um, we will probably ask both of you to answer one final question that we ask all of our guests. Uh, that was weird. Olga normally says this part. Uh, if you canonize anyone, Catholic or not living or dead, fictional, non-fictional, uh, on this podcast, not on this podcast, uh, who would it be and why? Oh, I was not prepared for this question. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just doing what every guest okay. does. That's the version of, I'm that's a really fair. good question. Yeah. I'm not usually a guest, so I'm um, not prepared. Yeah, we really didn't give whatsoever. you any prep. I'm sorry. Um, do you want me to go first? Yes, I would love for you to go first. <laughs> um, I guess if I could canonize anyone, it would be all of the activists of the Black Lives Matter movement. I've really been deep in the research for this book. And the more research that I do and the more I write on the movement, the more I really believe like Onita Estes Hicks, who was a former a guest on Jesuitical, says it really is a Christ-like movement. Um, so I'm going to canonize them on Jesuitical and get them one step closer. So the activists in the Black Lives Matter movement. Yep. Pray right. for us. God, we need it. Damn it. <laughs> I took your answer, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I still don't really know what my answer is. Um, I think I would canonize Peter. Uh my fiance because we've had a tough time in our lives lately but he's been a model of kind of grace and strength and goodness so well saint peter saint peter for us guys we love you so much we really do everything you love you both uh man and we're so happy for you and so proud of you and we'll be following all the work that you do uh beyond this place and know that you always have a home here and in our homes uh in brooklyn yeah. yeah, we love you. Thank you. Thank you Thank both. Thank you, guys. End of an era. Yeah. Yep. And listeners, you should send in emails about how much you love Olga and Eloise. I agree. <laughs> yeah, if, they, if, they, if they've made a difference in your life, like they made a difference in ours, send them a flask. Or at least... Or, <laughs> or at least something to put in their flask. Yeah. Or at Not least a note. Uh, <laughs> but we will be using this one, so thank you guys. Yeah. All right, do I do the regular get us out yeah, of here? Yeah, get us out of here. All right. Whew. Jesuitical is produced by Eloise Blondio. <laughs> One last time. Jesuitical is produced by Eloise Blondio. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Faith formation provided by Father Eric Sundrup. Production help from Izzy Seneschal and Tucker Redding. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Jesuitical. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and leave us a review. Jesuitical is recorded in the William J. Loeschert Studio at America Media in New York City. For America Media, I'm Ashley McKinless with Olga Segura, Zach Davis, and Eloise Blondio. And two of us will see you next week. Love you. 
拜拜。